0: The word fellowship means companionship, association, state of being together. That's what fellowship means. Listen, church is a place that we can gather around uh, the same doctrines and salvation by Jesus Christ. You know what brings us together at Anchor Baptist Church? Listen, every one of us, we're, we're all different Every one of us were raised in different circumstances. Uh, Many of us were raised in different uh, generational gaps. There's uh, cultural gaps. There's all kinds of differences between us. But you know what brings us together here? It is Jesus Christ and His salvation. It's that at some point in your life, you came to a place that you realized, hey, I need to be saved and I need to be born again. Uh, Maybe somebody came by and knocked on your door. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher that was teaching a Sunday school lesson. Maybe it was some other circumstance. But somehow you found out about the Lord Jesus Christ and you trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And after that, you started saying, well, I need to be in church. Maybe you were raised and taught that you needed to be in church. Maybe for some other reason, but for whatever reason, uh, you started attending church. And listen, we gather around uh, in unity around the same doctrines that we've always adhered to. And that is salvation by grace and through faith and and understanding the eternal security and and all the doctrines that we agreed to when we uh, formed this church and you become a member. And listen, that is the fellowship that we have. Because you and I can get together. We can agree on this. And I'm glad that Jesus Christ saved me. I'm glad. Uh, I remember a preacher, and I don't remember where I heard it, but he was going through the. It may have been here; I, I don't recall. But he was going through the uh, the book of Acts, and he was preaching through uh, uh, the the beginning when those people had gotten saved, and and he went through the uh, Lydia and who she was, of being a seller of purple, and then he went through the Philippian jailer. Remember that Paul was even put in prison there in Philippi, and and uh, and that Philippian jailer got saved. And you're talking about two different lives and two different circumstances, but yet at the same time, there was a fellowship of unity. Why? Because Jesus Christ had saved the Lydia, the seller of purple, and He had saved the Philippian jailer, and He brought these two people together in one place. And there was a fellowship. And Paul, sitting in prison in Rome, in the Mamertine prison, would think back to that day and say, man, what a great memory to see two different people together for the unity of Jesus Christ. Laboring in that fellowship that they have. Listen, we have fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, and it's something that uh, we need to, to realize and recognize. When we start working toward the same goal. I remember in Bible college, I uh, went and, and of course I was Uh, I I got on a bus route and I was working on a bus route and and I was on there with a couple other college kids and I, I didn't know them and they didn't know me when we started on that bus route. We were different people from different places in America and, and different upbringings and different circumstances. But I tell you what, as we started to labor together on that bus route, man, we had, a, we had fellowship. And, and pretty soon we got burdened about our bus route. And every, every I, I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, we would meet together and we started praying for our bus route. And you know what? They became really good friends of mine. Well, what brought us together was the fellowship of the ministry. It was that we both were laboring together for the same thing that we would say, hey, we're, we're shooting for a common goal. We're both trying for the same common good. We're trying to work together so that we can get more kids on this bus route, so that we can see them saved, so that we can see them baptized, and we can see them added unto the church. And when we started laboring together, hey, we became some of the best friends. And to this very day, 20 years later, we're still friends. Why? Because, man, we labored together. It was a common goal that we were working towards. It was something uh, that, that, we, were, uh, uh, that we, were, we were working towards, and it was a fellowship of believers. Not only that, but he says there in verse number 5, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, Until now. Can I tell you something that you probably already know? Maslin needs Jesus Christ. There are people in Maslin and Canton and Navarre and Perry and all of these surrounding little areas that need Jesus Christ. And we ought to make it our fellowship of our Gospel to get the Gospel to those that are right here. Right here among us. They are not we're not talking about Cambodia. We're not talking about Asia. We're not talking about South America. We are talking right here in our own yard. And we need to have a fellowship of the gospel and that we would coordinate together and work together so that we could get the gospel to right here in Maslin, Ohio. And that fellowship will bring unity. We'd work together. Look at five as we're talking about joy as Paul was was granted joy by by just remembering all of this that had taken place there in Philippi. But in verse number uh, six, rather, well, five and six, the Bible says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse number six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, you want something that's joyful? this evening, hey, the fact that Jesus Christ started a work in your life at the day of salvation and that He will continue to work on you for the rest of your life. Man, that gives me joy. Uh, my kids, when we, were, uh, we would travel and, and, and uh, I remember we at one point we would sing the song, He's Still Working On Me. And sometimes we might kind of tend to relegate that as a, uh, Uh, more of a kid's song, but listen, the truth of the matter is, if you're you're an adult and you're saved, He's still working on you too. Hey, He began it back in the day of salvation and He promised that He would continue uh, until the day of our death that we're graduated up to heaven and we're taken out of this earth and we don't have to fight against our flesh any longer. And the fact of the matter is, God is going to continue to work in you and work through you and work on your life. If you will allow him. So great joy comes from the fellowship of the ministry, knowing that, hey, we're all in the same boat. And we're all in the same ground. I tell you what, I've God has given me the privilege to travel to many different churches. And even growing up, my, my dad was Air Force my whole life. So every two to three years we moved, we lived in one place. And, uh, and the church people were some of our best friends. And then in two, three years, boom, we moved. Got orders, you ship out. That's, what, that's, that's the way it works in military. You don't, you don't get to pick, you don't get to choose, you go. That's what you get to do. We moved out and we, we moved into another area. And you know what the first thing my parents would do? They'd find a good Baptist church for us to go to. We started going to that church, and as soon as we did, you know what happened? Boy, we started to become friends with the people there. And, and, and before we left in two or three years, our heart was knit with them. Why? Because of the fellowship that we had with those people. Listen, that brings joy, to know that we are working towards the same thing, and that we can have fellowship one with another, and that we were all lost in sin. Praise the Lord, Jesus Christ has saved us and changed our life. Not only can we uh, have joy in the fellowship, but I want you to notice this. In verse number 15, he said this. Paul, Paul is writing and he says this, "...some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction... To my bonds, could you imagine? So here's Paul in prison, and he's, uh, of course, he hears reports, and and he hears reports of some that are preaching Christ of contention. In other words, maybe in a mockery fashion, or maybe uh, in some form to try and uh, cause Paul more pain, and and maybe they were trying to incite a a problem in the town or whatever that would cause Paul more difficulty. But look at what Paul says about that in verse number seventeen but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So in verse 16, some are preaching of contention and not sincerely. In 17, some are preaching out of love uh, and understanding the gospel. In verse number 18, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Listen, another thing that brings joy is not only the fellowship of the saints and the get-together and the common goal that we're working towards, but listen, there is great joy in preaching the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost and dying world. There's been many a times, can I confess to you this evening, there's been many a times I, in my flesh, don't want to go pass out tracts. That's just me. I'm just telling you. But every time I have gone, that I didn't want to go, I've come back joyful. It doesn't matter if I saw somebody saved or not. The fact that I know in my heart that I obeyed God's command and I've done what He has commanded me to do gives me a great joy in my heart that I can't even begin to explain to you. But I can promise you, it's there. Sometimes, you know what? You don't feel like coming to church But you know what you do, and man, you leave with a blessing in your heart. You say, man, I'm glad I went. Man, I didn't feel like this afternoon, man, I laid down and took a nap. I was gone, man. I was gone. I don't always do that, but I was gone. My daughter came and woke us up. I woke up, I'm like, oh, we got to get ready and go. You know what? Sometimes it would be really easy just to stay home from church. But it wouldn't be right But every time I come to church, I get a blessing out of obedience. There is blessings in obeying God's word and doing what God has commanded us to do. Even when we don't feel like doing it, we can get that blessing. And listen, Paul, as he is sitting there in prison, uh, there were those that, uh, listen, they thought that they would make a mockery of Paul, or maybe they would cause him more affliction, or maybe they could add years to his sentence by uh, by seeing something uh, negative take place. I don't even know exactly what he was saying, but I do know this. He said, listen, some were trying to cause problems, and they were, they were preaching the gospel out of contention. Uh, but listen, Paul said this. He said, whether they preach it out of contention or whether they preach it out of love, I'm happy that the name of Jesus Christ would be published in the streets and that people would hear that Jesus Christ would save some. Paul found joy in the propagation of the Gospel. Listen, you too can find joy in getting the Gospel out. You know what getting the Gospel out does for you? You know what it does when you start to realize the need of other people? you start to realize, well, man, I'm, I'm actually pretty blessed. When you start to realize this person needs help and, and I'm helping them out and I'm trying to witness to them and, and you start to realize how, how wrapped up their life is in sin and, and how, how, how really um, a problem it becomes to them and you start to realize, man, inadvertently you realize, man, I'm glad I don't have all of that. And suddenly my life doesn't look that bad when I realize. The, the chains and bondage of sin that some people are wrapped up in. And listen, God can break those bonds and God can save those people. But I'm just saying, when you get your eyes off of your own self and your own problems in your own world and you start looking out there and you see other people and you say, hey, those people need the Lord Jesus Christ and you start doing something about it, it is getting your, your yourself uh, out of your own problems and start looking around saying, man, I'm going to help the rest of the world by getting them the Gospel. Listen, Paul was, was rejoicing even setting in prison, that the Gospel was being preached as he was sitting there. And maybe Paul would uh, pull up in his mind, maybe on Sunday morning, Paul would sit there and he, and he would start to pray for uh, the preacher in Philippi and, 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 and all the places that he had visited. And it brought him joy to know, hey, the Gospel is going out. Listen, we can take great joy in that the Gospel... Is being preached. We ought to be taking the gospel. We ought to be. We can take great joy in knowing that hey, uh, that we support missionaries, and it's not just what we're doing here in Maslin. Though we ought to take great joy in getting the gospel to Maslin, but we can also take great joy that hey, the gospel is being preached in those other countries of the missionaries that we support, and and that they're working to uh, get the gospel out in those places. That's a great joy for us. We ought to take joy in that. Paul was joyful. There's nothing like seeing people saved, seeing people grow in the Lord. I think back in Peru, and I think of the people that, uh, that I, I started telling you about, the fellow that was in the jails. And uh, I, I went and visited him, and Pastor Freddie and I, and we went in, and, and uh, when we met the man, we... Gave him the gospel. He was not saved. And, and, uh, and, and we, then we couldn't visit, I think, for another two weeks. And another two weeks we went back and we revisited him. And, and uh, his name consequently was Freddie as well. And, and when we went and visited Freddie in the jail, uh, he said, Listen, that first time you came, he said, He said, I appreciate you give me the gospel. He said, I got saved. That brings me joy to this day. I'm like... That boy got saved. That boy got out of jail. That boy started coming to our church. And, and, and to this day, uh, he's, he takes and he reads his Bible and, and you know what? God has changed his life. And I just had a small part of that. And I say, man... I'm grateful uh, to this day to be able to see a change that's been made in that fellow's life. And I remember another lady and and she was sitting on the sidewalk as I walked up to her and and I I gave her a gospel track and I said, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, no, I don't, but I'm going to be in church this Sunday. I said, really? She said, yes, I am. She said, I ought to be in church. Where's your church at? I said, it's right there on the back of the track. And and she said, I'm going to be in church. And you know what? She was. She came to church. She had been saved previously, but she had been out of church for some time. And she was living in the area and didn't know churches. And and so so she started coming to our church. And listen, her daughter got saved in our church and got baptized. And then her husband, uh, who we prayed for for years, uh, finally got saved. Praise the Lord. And what I'm saying is when you get out there and you preach the gospel to these people and you see lives change and you see people uh, get into church and you see a difference, and yes, it's not every one. It's not every track. I can tell you thousands of tracks that I've given out that I don't even know what took place. I would stand on the street corner as the buses would come in and man, as fast as you could hand out gospel tracks, I kid you not, you could give out a stack of 500 tracks in just a little of of, of an hour Hour or so. They would just go and we would take our family up there when the buses would come down from the mines and all these workers would get off these buses and you would just stand there and hand out tracts. And listen, I can tell you like, countless numbers of gospel tracts that we gave out that I don't know what happened to them. But when I remember the people who were saved, man, it brings me great joy. And if I were sitting in jail right now, I could recount in my mind this person and that person that I know that was blessed by some of the things that we were able to do through the, through the glory of God. And, and, and I'm telling you this when you invest in other people's lives, it will bring you a great joy. Not everyone's going to get saved. I know that. I realize that. But the obedience and the fruit of doing that is going to to change lives and we have got to have that joy. And it comes from getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. We get joy from the fellowship that we have in our church. We get joy from getting the gospel out to the lost and dying people. I want you to notice this last one here in verse number 23. Look at what Paul says. Go back to verse number 21. We'll, We'll kind of read a little bit more there. The Bible says in verse number 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul had a lot to look forward to in heaven. There's no doubt about that. And so don't we as as saved people. Verse number 22, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful to you. What he's saying is, listen, as he's there and he's writing to the, the Christians in Philippi, he's saying, man, I would love to die and go to heaven right now. Could you imagine? I mean, I, I mean, think about how wonderful heaven is. Really, what's keeping us here? <laughs> I tell you what. Goodbye. Man, I, I'd go today. Paul's saying, that, that's my dilemma. I, 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 man, I'm ready to go. I, I'm excited for what heaven holds for me. And, and we were talking today, and, and somebody was telling me about somebody else who had gotten saved, and, and I don't know the person, and now they've already, uh, they're already in heaven. And I thought, you know, someday I'm going to meet that person. Someday, well, you're going to meet Freddie. You're going to meet Gloria in our church. Uh, you're going to meet these people that, that have been saved. And, and listen, some of the missionaries uh, that we support, and they've saw people saved, and, and they're going to, they're, we're going to have an opportunity to meet some of those people uh, who have been saved as a result of our ministry. And we look forward to that. What a, day. Uh, what a, what a wonderful reunion that will be to get to heaven. Man, what's not to look forward to? I mean, it's there. That's what we're laboring for. But Paul said this, he said, but I'm in a straight betwixt because all that that is in heaven and I I look forward to that and I want to go there. But there's a need here on earth. And he's going to tell us what it is. He said it's needful for me to stay here. And look at what he says there in, in verse number... 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he's saying it's more needful for me to stay here. And this is why. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Paul is saying this, he's saying, listen, that I would stay here on earth and that I would forego my time in heaven just a few more days and stay here on this earth so that I could see your faith grown in the Lord. And I can see you continuing to grow. That's what he says there. With all your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. He's saying, there's joy in growing in faith. Listen, there is nothing quite like watching God work in your life. In your own life. In your own personal life. And growing in your faith. You ever remember those some of those you ever see some of those little kids and, and you probably were one of those little kids and, and, and every day uh, you would mark a little mark on the door as you grew and, and man, you, you'd put that and I remember going to, I never had the privilege of living in a house longer than a couple years at a time, but you'd go to some people's house and they'd have marks on their wall all the way up where their kids started when they were little, you know, and started marking the wall and uh, and I don't know, every six months or whatever, they'd go mark another mark and man, they'd have pencil lines all the way up the law and they'd have the year marked and. And man, that, those little kids, they get excited about that. They're like, look, man, I, I used to be this tall, now look, I'm big. I'm, I'm big. And they get excited about that. There's joy in seeing growth. There's joy in seeing progress. You know, the funny thing about growth is, you, you don't see it. Uh, we, would, we, would, uh, we would, of course, we would travel and we would be gone for long, extensive time. And, and, and our kids, of course, they're with us every single day. So you don't notice the growth, unless you mark the door, you don't, you don't notice the growth of your own children that easily. It just doesn't, it's not that easy. But we'd come back and they'd say, man, your kids are all grown. And you're like, wow, I hadn't noticed. I mean, they're, you know, you see them every day. You don't see that growth per se. But if you're marking progress and you're saying, man, I'm looking for progress and I'm looking for growth, the same thing holds true spiritually in our life. If you're looking for spiritual growth, Paul was saying, listen, uh, there is joy that our faith would grow and that we would grow in our faith and that we would grow spiritually and that we would advance spiritually. Listen, just like a little child would look forward to the day that he's growing and, 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 and then the final day when it cuts off and you kind of stop and you're like, man, you stop growing up and you start growing out. Then you want to stop growing at that point. But spiritually speaking, we just want to keep growing. Paul said this in, in Philippians, I believe it is, and he, he said that um, he said of himself, he said, I have not apprehended. In other words, I have not arrived spiritually in my life to the point where I will no longer grow. He said, I have not apprehended. In other words, I am looking for in my life spiritual growth that I would continue to go forward. And if the Apostle Paul, I believe one of the greatest apostles in the Bible, would write that, how much further do I have to grow? And the fact of the matter is, we shouldn't grow stagnant in our Christian life. You know what stagnant is? Stagnant water, um, when water stagnates, it's not active in any way. There's all kinds of potential for rotten things and uh, diseases and insects that carry them and and begin to be active in that water. And and it's for that reason that many different health organizations say, listen, if you've just got standing water, uh, that you should try and drain it out and not keep it around. And and if you've ever been around uh, swamps, man, they stink. And they're just gross. And and if you go to the lake, lake usually has an inlet at one end and an outlet at the other end. And though you don't realize it, the water is actually flowing in and flowing out. And it's actually turning over. And it's moving. And it keeps it fresh. But a swamp, generally speaking, it might flood and then the waters might go down and then you'll leave pockets of water all over creation and that water becomes stagnant and it becomes gross. And in our Christian life, if we grow stagnant to the point that we're not growing, to the point that we're not looking for growth, to the point that we don't have any fresh water coming into our life and flowing out of our life, then we will grow stagnant in our life. And just like a swamp, it won't be healthy. And Paul is saying there is joy. He said in verse 25, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Listen, uh, as we grow in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we realize that Jesus has done for us, the more that we realize that God will continue to do for us and to help us in in our life and to strengthen us, man, the more joy we have. That God will take care of us. And there's something about just growing in the Lord that will bring faith in our life. Or that will bring joy, rather, in our life. We have the fellowship, that's going to bring joy. We have the gospel being preached, that's going to bring joy. And then we have growing in faith, and that's going to be, bring joy in our life. Those are just three things that Paul thought of, that Paul mentioned, all the while that he's sitting in prison there in Rome. He wrote this book saying, hey, as a Christian, you can have joy. Who would know that a person sitting in prison could teach us joy? You'd think it would be the other way around. You'd think we'd be telling him, Paul, you know, there's a lot to be joyful for. But no, it was Paul sitting in prison saying, you know what? There's a lot to be joyful for. And he gave us the reasons. And we can have joy in our Christian life in the fellowship and the preaching of the gospel, and the growing in our faith. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening, Father, we thank you for the joy that we can truly have as a Christian. And God, what a joy to think of people that are saved. What a joy to see a result and see how you've changed lives and God, You've changed our lives. God, what a joy to be able to work alongside other Christians. That we could labor together, Father, for a common cause and a common good to see the Gospel given out, not only here in in Maslin and and Perry and, and Canton and Navarre and all the surrounding areas, but God, even unto the uttermost part of the world, through missions, that we could have an outreach. And God, that we could have joy in growing spiritually. God, that we could grow closer to you. What a joy that brings to our life. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart. Help us to be joyful. God, have true joy. Not a giddy happiness, but a true joy. And a true peace that comes through knowing you and living for you and doing what's right. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. God, maybe there's one here that does not have joy because they don't know you. They've never put their faith and trust in you. God, I pray that you would speak to their heart, show them their need for salvation. And God, if they know that, God, I pray that they would trust you tonight as their own personal Savior, In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar is open.